Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Everybody to the ultimate NBA season preview podcast presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Our Locked On local experts covering every team are here to help you get ready for the NBA season. This week, we'll be visiting five groups of teams that we have dubbed the contenders, the tankers, the debatables, the playoff hopefuls, and the teams on the rise. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the tankers group. Teams that either have an incentive to be bad this season or are just going to be bad all on their own. The Spurs, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Thunder, and the Magic. Our Locked On local experts are standing by along with our Odyssey experts, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd and Chad Ford lets us know which players are worth tanking for in this upcoming class. But first, let's hear from our Odyssey expert, Ryan McDonough, who is the Phoenix Suns general manager and knows a thing or two about preparing for the top of the NBA draft. Let's get his take on the teams with the top two picks last season, the Detroit Pistons and the Houston Rockets. The ping pong balls bounced the Pistons' way in the 2021 lottery with Detroit landing the number one overall pick, which they used to acquire Oklahoma State stud guard Cade Cunningham. Cunningham dealt with a sprained ankle early in preseason, so we'll see if they can get healthy and develop alongside two second-year players coming off of solid rookie years, wing Sadiq Bey and big man Isaiah Stewart. Detroit is another team going through a full-blown rebuild, so they'll want to see if their young pieces are able to successfully fit and play together with the biggest questions revolving around the pairing of Cunningham and 2020 lottery pick Killian Hayes, who struggled as a rookie a season ago. Jeremy Grant was in the Eastern Conference All-Star mix last year, and Kelly Olenek brings in frontcourt spacing, but this team is all about development with most of the attention centered on their number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham. The Rockets loaded up on young prospects in the 2021 draft, adding guards Jalen Green and Josh Christopher, as well as Turkish center Alfarin Sengun. Houston's rookie trio certainly impressed in the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, with Green showing explosive scoring ability and Shangguan playing effectively and looking like an experienced veteran. Anytime your most talented players are in their teens or early 20s, you should expect a long season in terms of wins and losses, especially in a loaded Western Conference. But this year in Houston is all about player development and individual improvement. This team is full of young prospects, and they have a lot of future draft picks coming in, primarily from Brooklyn, as a result of the James Harden trade. The Rockets will want to develop all of their young players. Uh, they'll also want to see if any of their prospects can turn into future stars, with Jalen Green potentially having the most upside of any player to come out of the loaded 2021 draft class. Now let's drive on over to our Locked On Podcast Network local experts covering each of these teams, led by Locked On Rockets host Jackson Gatlin. Welcome to the Locked On NBA Roundtable. Continuing our conversation here with the Tankers Group. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. And covering the Tankers Group, we're going to get through all of these different hosts here on the Locked On Network and figure out why these teams belong here. And coming up, we've got Philip Rossman-Reich next. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the host of Locked On Magic and the site expert over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as a credentialed member of the media here in Orlando. And uh, we'll be seeing this guy pretty soon here on our season opener. Jeff, how's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, I cannot believe the Spurs are now in the tankers selection. But, hey, it is what it is. Every team goes through this. The glory days are over. Yeah. Hopefully everybody subscribes to Lockdown Spurs wherever you get their favorite podcast. I am a Spurs beat writer for Ken's 5 in San Antonio. So I'm going to pass it off to Chris Manning, Lockdown Cavs. 
Yeah, I'm Chris Manning, uh, one of the hosts of Lockdown Cavs. My lesser half is is not with us today. Better for everyone, honestly. But if you don't know, I cover the team for Lockdown Cavs, obviously, every day of the week. And then places like Fear the Sword and Cleveland Magazine. And I've got my Midwest buddy here. It's cool. What's going on, everybody? I'm Kuka Hill. You can find me over at Lockdown Pistons. I'm the host over there. Uh, I'm writer over at Detroit Bad Boys as well. I also do YouTube over at Coos Ballroom. Uh, but, yeah. As long as the Pistons aren't as bad as Houston Rockets and Jalen Green over there, as long as we can win that, we'll be perfectly fine. So I'll throw that back to Jackson, speaking of that. We are less than three minutes into this, and we've already got shots fired between Koo and myself. So I can already tell this is going to be uh, – we're going to have a lot of back and forth here. And the very first thing we've got we've to kind of settle here, right, is – do do all of us belong here right do do all the teams right here right now belong here you know why are these teams here and and should these teams be here and philip i want to you know give you a chance you know right off the bat do the orlando magic really belong in this subsection of of truly tanking teams um yes i i think they they do i mean obviously at the trade deadline last year they they hit reset they they decided to kind of restart their whole project uh trading away nikola vucevic an all-star two-time all-star uh, Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon, uh, they went with a complete youth movement. This team is just so incredibly young. And, and and while I think there is a ton of talent, there isn't necessarily that elite level talent. And, and as we've seen throughout the league, and I'm sure everyone in this group can can attest, the only way to really compete for championships is to get that elite talent. Um, you know, I would think the Magic are, you know, at least my interaction with fans, there's certainly a restlessness to get back to a playoff level. I mean, even having a snippet of the playoffs wasn't enough for a lot of fans. Um, and they view this as like a 10-year rebuild since Dwight Howard left. But really, this is year one of a brand new rebuild. The Magic obviously hoping to get some guys back from some major injuries. They're probably looking for one more high-level draft pick before they really start to figure out what kind of team they want to be. You know, and I think uh, the team of this collection of teams here in the Tankers group that is the most interesting to me of, of who they should they really belong in this group, kind of holding on maybe a little bit to the end of the Greg Popovich era. Jeff, what's going on in San Antonio, right? Does this team really belong with this other group of, of teams right now? I mean, you know, I've been covering the Spurs for quite some time. This is put it this way, since the Spurs had Dominique Wilkins in a Spurs jersey. So the fact that they are here um, in this phase of their franchise is actually long overdue. I hate to say this. I think they should have gone into tank mode the, the moment Kawhi Leonard ditched San Antonio. But they're trying to keep the wheels going. They were trying to get that playoff push going. DeMar DeRozan, Marcus Aldridge just didn't work. You know, you know the T word tanking in San Antonio is not thrown out there. The, the team, the franchise, Popovich, will never, ever admit to that. But there's going to have to come a time where they're going to have to tank. And that's how they got to their glory years. You know, David Robinson was perfectly fine. He could have played. But, you know, he sits out the whole season. They get Tim Duncan. The rest is history. They got aggressive uh, to trade up to get Kawhi Leonard in the draft. And the rest is history. Spurs need to go back to that formula because I don't see Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony Davis knocking on the Spurs doors when they're free agents. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, the viable path is to tank for San Antonio. Will they finally do that this season? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. But, you know, in San Antonio, it's playoff, or in this case, it's play in or bust. But for a very, very young team, I think they need to have a megastar. They do not have a megastar. Popovich admitted it. So this is a full-on rebuild. I hope part of that does factor in some tanking. Uh, yeah, it's a different time in San Antonio. The NBA life cycle is, you know, cyclical, right? You, you spend time at the top of the league, then, yeah. you know, ultimately you fall and kind of falter and you have to build your organization back up from the bottom. And you mentioned that word tanking, right? The Rockets were an organization that, you know, for years under Daryl Morey said they would never tank. They wanted to remain competitive under Leslie Alexander. That was the entire, you know, focus of the organization. They didn't ever want to truly bottom out. But now under Tillman Fertitta and new general manager, Rafael Stone, the Rockets have decided that, you know, bottoming out was their best bet. They pulled in, you know, Jalen Green and the reason reason they had to bottom out is because James Harden forced his way out of the city of Houston. So that's why the Rockets are here in this conversation. That's why they're part of the tanking group and they absolutely deserve to be in this spot. And it's the right move for the organization. It's about embracing that part of the NBA life cycle so that you can build yourself back up to be a championship caliber organization. Now, Chris Manning, the, the Cavaliers were, you know, kind of on top of the, you know, on top of the NBA a few years back during the LeBron James era. And now the post LeBron era, how, you know, the Cavs belong in this conversation, right? Um, 
Yeah, I think mostly, yeah. But I, I think like if you talk to them and you hear what they say at media day and you hear what they're kind of trying to project, I think they'd like to take something of a step forward. Like I, I think they think of themselves as somewhere in between like the actual good teams in the East and then like above some of the really bad teams in the East. Now, I don't know if that's true. I Of the teams we're talking about today, and I cover, and this is the team that I cover. I might still be the most confused by what the Cavs like sort of are. Like you could convince me of a bunch of different things. You could tell me they're going to make a push for the play-in tournament. You could tell me they're going to be the worst team in the league. You could tell me they're like going to be really bad again. But like I, I think for them, they don't really want to be considered tanking. They want to be a team that isn't like in the Chet Holmgren sweepstakes next year, right? Like they want to be somewhere like a little bit further along in this. Um, but I mean, I, I think that makes them maybe more akin to like what Jeff is seeing in San Antonio, obviously much different trajectory because the Cavs have like only been good when LeBron James played for them. And otherwise they've been absolutely awful, but like they want to be something that isn't this, but I don't think we know if they're capable of that yet. There's just a lot. I feel like we don't know about what they actually are or not. Cool. When it comes to where where you're at with the Pistons right now, I mean, coming away with the number one pick has to be an amazing feeling. Uh, and you know, do you feel confident in the direction of this organization? Is it fair? You know, they're they're in this conversation right now with the rest of the tankers. They're, they're this is where they belong, right? They're at the they're at this point in their in their life cycle in the NBA. Um, well, Toy Weaver will never say that. He'll tell you that they're restoring. The entire organization will tell you they're restoring. They don't use the word tank. Uh, even if you go listen to the players, all the players saying. We're going to restore this franchise. We're going to restore this. We're going to restore that. So they refuse to use the word tank. Uh, do I think they're tanking this season? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of – outside of maybe I feel like the Rockets and the Magic. No offense, Jax. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel like the rest – the other three hey, teams Hey, hey, you, t- you took your shots earlier. It's okay. You, I, I, can, <laughs> I can take my lumps. It's okay. I think I think the rest of us are like kind of in a confused, or not confused, but like in a in a middling standpoint right now because the Pistons I don't think are trying to purposely be bad. They want to take another step up. I don't think they're going to go out like last year. They outright tried to lose like the last month and a half. They sat everybody. They were absolutely tanking. I don't think they're going to do that this year. I think uh, the East has just gotten a lot deeper and the East has gotten a lot better. So I've said this a lot of times: the Pistons are going to try to be better than last year. They're going to try to be. Uh, take another step forward. But the thing is that they could get better and they could take another step forward internally and development wise and players wise, et cetera, and still finish like 13th, 12th in the East simply because of how deep the East is right now. So I think they deserve to be here because they're probably going to end up bottom three anyways in the East. So, but I don't think they're outright trying to lose on purpose. I think they are just trying to, you know, take another step in their development. I think what Koo's saying is dead on for the East because, like, look at the teams ahead of, like, the bottom class. Like, Chicago spent a bunch of money to get better. Uh, Toronto just is a, has proven to be a better organization than any of these teams at the bottom, right? Like, Orlando. And then you have teams like Cleveland, Orlando, and Detroit um, that are kind of going through it. And, like, they're not as, you know, they don't have the, the baseline level of talent, like, even, like, the Indiana does or, like, some of these other teams. Like, these are a lot of teams that are, I think, just by circumstance, just, like, it's really hard to elevate. Like, the East is actually kind of good. Like the East has actually kind of become like a pretty strong conference, even if maybe like the best two teams in the world, in my opinion, are in the East and then go down to 10. Like it's going to be tight. I mean, there are teams that are that have like Bradley Beal like in the Wizards that are like theoretically should be better. But it's like they might not even make the play in because the East is actually kind of deep now. And that makes for a team like Cleveland, for a team like Detroit that like wants to at least be competent this year. It makes their job, I think, a lot harder. I think it's a good point on Coos part. You know, if this collection is. Sorry, and I think what's also important, like, yes, I mean, I think a team like the Magic, you know, is going into the season understanding that, you know, wins and losses aren't going to be how they're judged this year. Um, You know, essentially, you know, even the Magic's president of basketball operations said as much, Jeff Waltman said as much during media day that, you know, the the goal for the season is to reintegrate some injured players and to give these young guys a chance to, a chance to succeed. But, you know, I I always push back against fans who, especially at this point of the season, uh, at this point of the year, are just all in on tanking uh, and, and and lining up for lottery pick lottery picks. You know these are young guys. These are young impressionable guys. If you're you're at this kind of beginning stage or really any stage with with a young roster, you need to be still focused on what can we do to build winning habits. We may not be getting a lot of wins right now because we're young and young players are inconsistent. And and the NBA and the the grueling mar- marathon that is the regular season is all about consistency. It's about what you can do every single night. You still got to be trying to instill winning habits because if you don't do that, then you 
then you struggle. Then you then you struggle to get out of this bottom phase. So you know, no, I, I think you know, like a team like the Magic, we're not expecting them to to, to make the playoffs. We're not expecting them to make a real push. Um, you know, we're we're expecting them to be back down at the bottom of the standings. But you still want to see them doing the right things and and begin the outlines of what they'll look like when they're ready to compete, whether that's next year or or a few years down the road. I think for a lot of the teams, you know, in this group right here is, you know, we're, we're very much keeping an eye on the the development of the young players, right? Kind of an eye towards the future of these organizations. But I do want to say, you know, I think there's, we throw the word tanking around a lot. And I think there's a very clear distinction between like the tanking, like the process era Sixers level tanking that was going on there versus like organically just being bad because you're actively trying to develop a young core and prepare your team and organization for the future. And I think we almost might need like a different word besides tanking because tanking carries such a negative connotation behind it. Right. Like you guys get that or is that just restore? We're all restore. restore. (laughs) To to quote Pistons advisor, John Beeline, he was actually never the head coach of Cleveland Cavaliers. No one can ever tell you that ever happened. It's a it's a renaissance, folks. It's a renaissance when you're rebuilding. It's not it's not tanking. It's the renaissance. I just call it that someone's got to be the worst team in the league. Bad teams are going to be bad. They don't need help being bad. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And now let's hear from NBA draft coverage legend Chad Ford on the players he thinks are worth tanking for in this upcoming class. And then Ryan McDonough returns to share his thoughts on the Cavs and Thunder heading into the season. Who's worth tanking for in the 2022 NBA draft is a complicated question. There is no Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green in this year's draft. There's no consensus number one pick in this year's draft. What there is is a number of very talented college and international players who could end up being superstars, but right now most of them project as being more all-star type caliber than superstar type caliber players. Do you tank for a guy like that? Maybe so, but here's a look at several of those players who I think will be in consideration for the number one pick in the draft. 
It starts with Chuck Holmgren, who is the favorite to be the number one pick. He's hard to describe. He's a super skinny seven-footer, is a monster rim protector, budding offensive force. He can handle the ball, shoot the three. He just lacks strength, and I mean a lot of it. This guy is seven feet tall and 190 pounds, but he's not soft. He's a really talented basketball player, and maybe to some teams, he reminds him of a young Kevin Garnett. There's also Paolo Banchero, the big man who's going to be playing at Duke this year, who is the opposite. He's strong. He's thick. uh, He can really hold his own in the paint, but he's also super skilled. He's got that Zion-like strength, but he's also got significant skill and feel for a big guy. He's got a nice face-up game, can put the ball on the deck, and is a terrific passer. On defense, he uses that same feel to make the right calls. He's that rare big guy who can stay out of foul trouble by outthinking his opponent. There's Jalen Duran, the guy that reclassified big man from Memphis right now. At age 17, he already looks big and strong enough to overwhelm opponents in college. He's listed at 6'10", 245 pounds, has a massive 7'5 wingspan. He just destroys everything in the paint. He dunks everything and has the potential to be an elite rim protector. He's also shown some flashes as a passer out of the post. There's Jaden Hardy, who's playing over in the G League this year. And like Jalen Green, he's going to join the G League Ignite as a two-guard. And like Green, he's wired to score with the potential to become a 25-point-per-game scorer in the NBA. The bad news, Hardy doesn't quite have that high-end, explosive athleticism of Green. He's a very good athlete, but he just doesn't pop the same way. But there is some good news as well with Green. He's a little more versatile than Green. He can handle the ball and even play a little point guard, though scoring is his primary strength. Then we go to Caleb Houston, a forward out of Michigan, a wing. And the big thing is that he is a wing, the most coveted position right now in the NBA. He's 6'8", triple threat that can score off the bounce, make the correct pass, or pull up and stroke it from three. On defense, he has the size, length, and mindset to guard multiple positions. And then there's Jaden Ivey, the only upperclassman that I'm including on this list out of Purdue, uh, who is really one of the best players for Team USA at the uh, under-19 World Cup. Ivey is an elite athlete with a quick first step. He's a highlight reel waiting to happen at the rim where he's a powerful finisher, and he defends. His excellent toughness and motor show up on both ends. He's a consistent three-point shot away from being at the top or near the top of the draft. And finally, maybe my personal favorite, Yannick Nosa, uh, a big man who is playing right now in Spain, and he has length, he's got athleticism, he plays with a crazy motor, Last season for his team, his averages per 36 minutes were 12 points, 8 rebounds, and not 3 blocks, which is pretty amazing considering he was 17 years old. He joins Luka Doncic and Ricky Rubio as the only 16-year-olds in Spanish League history to score 10 points a game. He's got the athleticism and skill level already at high levels. He's not a great shooter yet, but he shoots 75% from the free throw line. He seems to have a nice touch, and his background story is just incredible. This guy is already playing at a higher level than most of the prospects in the draft right now. I think he's got a legitimate shot at being the number one pick in the draft as well. The Cavs drafted the most talented big man in the 2021 draft class, nabbing versatile USC power forward slash center Evan Mobley with the third overall pick. Cleveland also re-signed talented young center Jarrett Allen in free agency. So I'll be interested to see how much head coach J.B. Bickerstaff is willing to play Mobley and Allen together in a league that seems to get smaller and faster every year. They have a talented young backcourt led by point guard Darius Garland, who could be in the mix for most improved player this season, as well as Colin Sexton, who broke out a season ago and is eligible for a contract extension prior to opening night. Front office will be evaluating wing Isaac Okoro. He's a talented athlete starting his second season, uh, but a guy who struggled with his shot as a rookie. They'll also try to see if the pairing of Garland and Sexton is their backcourt of the future. Now, the Cavs brought in veteran point guard Ricky Rubio and also young veteran stretch big man Laurie Markkinen. But this year will be all about development once again in Cleveland, especially as they monitor the progress of Evan Mobley. The Thunder continued their wheeling and dealing this offseason, sending Al Horford to Boston for Kemba Walker. The Thunder then bought out Walker as they continued to aggressively lean into a multi-year rebuild. OKC was actually a relatively competitive team a year ago when stud point guard Shea Gildas-Alexander was in the lineup, and they rewarded SGA with a max contract extension this offseason. They added another talented ball handler with size in this year's draft, 
bringing in Australia's Josh Giddy with their mid-lottery pick. The Thunder also picked up Trey Mann in the mid-first round, so they'll want to see how he and Giddy fit around their young court, which is led by Gildas Alexander, as well as defensive stopper Lugan Stewart. OKC will also be monitoring the progress of youngsters Alexi Pokashevsky, Theo Maladon, and Darius Baisley, and they'll be active in trade talks once again as they look to add to their incredible stockpile of future draft picks. Philip Rossman-Reich, the long-term vision for the Orlando Magic. What is it? What is it? What's what's going on? Yeah, for for the Magic, you know, I can't say that I know it right now. I mean, I think right now there's just so many pieces that are just so unknown. I mean, I think I think one of the big goals for the Magic this season is a, you know, they have Jalen Sucks, and and the team is ecstatic to have uh, to have that player of that caliber fall to them. Uh, you know, I think I think everyone and everyone involved with the Magic seem very excited, super excited to have him to, to have him available and to, to take him with the pick. I, I think he's probably the best guard prospect the Magic have drafted since Penny Hardaway in 1993. So that tells you that tells you how long it's been since the Magic have drafted their own uh, their own kind of star level guard. But um, other than that, I, I can't really tell you what this team's long term vision is. I think a big part of what this season is about for the Magic, it being kind of the first year of this this rebuild or reload or whatever you want to call it. Um, is figuring out what kind of team they should be. Um, they have a new coach in Jamal Mosley. I think he's going to be figuring out the kind of things that he wants to want wants to run and the kind of players that he wants to build around with. And so, with all the young players the Magic have, they've got to figure out which ones are worth keeping and which ones they need to move on and, and what else they need to fill the roster with. Um, and so, I think this year is a lot about a, a getting Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz back on the court, seeing what they have in them, seeing if they fit into this long into this long term vision. And then just kind of beginning to kind of sketch the outlines of what that vision is. It's not necessarily about having answers this year. It's about being able to say like, huh, maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is the direction we need to go. Of of the pieces that are currently on the Orlando Magic roster, I mean, can you confidently say, apart from Jalen Suggs, can you confidently say that any of those pieces will be part of the next iteration of a competitive Orlando Magic team? I mean, I'd like to say that Jonathan Isaac would because I, I still think he is probably the only player on the team with with an elite skill. Um, I think that when he's healthy, he is an all-defensive team player. I think he's a defensive player of the year caliber kind of player. Um, but the reality is it's been 14 months now since his surgery. It doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for the start of the regular season. It may be a little bit longer into the season before he's ready to go. And he's played only one healthy season through four years. Um, I'm not going to get into the other part of his story this season, but... Um, it's 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 frustrating that you just don't know where players fit into this puzzle. Um, you, you hope that Franz Wagner, the Magic's eight, the Magic's eighth overall pick, um, uh, it, it, you you hope that he's part of the future. You hope that at least one of like Chumo Kiki can 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 get into that picture. But it, it's it's just it's just not clear at this point who's who. And so a lot of the season is just going to be kind of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Now Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs. Yeah, the long-term plan for San Antonio. Uh, I think right now it's just to see what they have. Uh, the good thing about San Antonio is that they have options. They they have options of a lot of young guys that they can flip if they do pan out and become serviceable uh, players in the NBA, enticing enough for other teams to make a deal. Another thing, too, is for San Antonio is they got to have a lot of money next this coming offseason, so that's going to be help, helpful. But – Still, I think the goal is to bring in a bona fide NBA star. They they just don't have that right now. You, you cross fingers that maybe one of these young kids uh, wearing the silver and black turns into that. But as we record this right now, that doesn't seem like they're going to vault themselves into the upper crust NBA players this upcoming season. So I think everything is still on the table for San Antonio. Does it mean training a Lonnie Walker? Does it mean trading some of the picks that they've acquired uh, the uh, offseason trade with Chicago? Does it mean tanking? Does it mean uh, swinging for the fences? You know, they've been linked to Ben Ben Simmons. You know, that's exactly what this team needs. This is a team that's devoid of all-stars right now. Not one, zero. So that's a big thing that Spurs have to address. And so right now, I think their plan is just a, a kind of an, an assessment. What do we have in silver and black right now? Are these young kids legit? Can we flip them? Can we keep them? Can we develop them? to vault them into a different level in, their, uh, in the NBA as far as, you know, on the court being you know, a bona fide star. But right now it's still the unknown in San Antonio, and I think that is the long-term plan, is to figure out what will be known and go from there. Chris Manning, Locked On Cavaliers. So 
I think the, the the plan is you have Darius Garland, who the organization is really high on and I think is really, really good. And you have Evan Mobley, who you just picked, and you're hoping can be like a franchise-defining player. I mean, there's a reason I think NBA general managers in their survey were like this. Uh, he was the winner for who's going to be the best player in five years. I think the question is how much of is going to change around them. I think, you know, we'll see what happens with the Colin Sexton's extension. Um, I wouldn't say that J.B. Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman as the head coach and general manager are safe by any means beyond like the next like six months. I think we don't really know yet. Um, and there's also pieces we need to see how they also fit. Like, you know, I'm a I'm a big, big believer, believer in Isaac Okoro, but like we need to see like where he's going to go. Like, can he shoot? Can he contribute an offense? Like, does the Jared Allen Mobley fit? work long term i think there's just a lot to still figure out but i think that the temples of this organization are garland and then mobley and then you got to figure out how that's all going to fit around them as you go forward and, and see where that kind of tandem would get you who kale from locked on pistons can i can i just is it just kate is it what is it a one word answer the long term oh, no for the pistons? no no you, you guys are gonna love this answer the the pistons long term uh long term no no, no long term solution here is to be the best team in the NBA again. That's what their long-term solution is for them. Uh, so specifically, if you want me to get even more specific, but that is, that's their goal. Uh, the specific is to 2023. 2023 is their long-term goal. You circled that year and that's where they plan on making a big, a big splash right there. And they're all their salary cap comes off. They have a lot of salary cap coming off. They got Blake Griffin coming off this year is the ghost of Blake Griffin. Uh, you got a lot of the other one-year guys coming off. So in 2023, they're going to have a lot of money. Uh, and they're building around, yes, they, they got their number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. They got that. Uh, they, they got Killian Hayes. They got Jeremy Grant. Uh, they got Isaiah Stewart, obviously. They got Sadiq Bey. Uh, they got a lot of good young pieces. And this team, if you look at it from just like last year before Tori ever got here, not a single player is on this roster from that era at all. Not not a single person on the roster from that roster. He he. uh inherited so uh it, it's it's been a quick quick rebuild of the roster uh they lucked out and got the number one overall pick which sped up the sped up the the restore i guess you can call it uh but yeah when you get k cunningham and you get the number one overall pick and then you also have these budding other young guys i mean sadiq bay looks like he's improved i mean it's the preseason so i'm not going to read too much into it but he does look like he's been improved pretty has improved pretty well uh offensively where he could be do more than just catch and shoot so this team has a lot of good young pieces along with a bunch of other pieces that they need to figure out are going to remain on their team. They got Hamadou Diallo, who's a really, I think a really nice young prospect, but you need to figure out, is he going to be around for the long haul? They just signed him to a two-year contract. Uh, can he take another step where he's at? Uh, Josh Jackson, is he going to remain a good bench player or can he take another step into something else? So uh, this team, I feel like is in a good position to do something in 2023 uh, as long as they develop their team right now, they got their guy in K Cunningham. They got a lot of pieces around him around his age that are developing with him, uh, with Killian Hayes, like I said, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, and a bunch of other guys too that they that they've signed or traded for as well. Uh, with their leader, I guess you can call it in Jeremy Grant as well. Uh, so yeah, the Pistons the Pistons are looking to do something probably in about in 2023. As long as they continue developing, uh, their long term goal is to make a hit in 2023 and get back on get back on the road of being the best team in the NBA. Similar to the Pistons, I think for the Houston Rockets, for their long-term vision, you know, that 2023 offseason is so critical because that would be the summer, you know, depending on what happens with the John Wall saga. Right now, things seem, you know, to be going pretty well. Ownership and, and management, they've worked out a deal where Wall is going to be sitting out for this season. They're trying to find a potential trade partner for him, but that $45 million contract is pretty sizable. Um, so, you know, if, if John Wall just winds up, you know, spending the next couple of years in Houston, they can't actually find a trade partner for him. Uh, that contract might actually become a bit of an asset, right? You know, an expiring deal going into that 2023 offseason. Maybe they leverage him into, you know, a disgruntled star player or just let him fall off the books and become major players with all that cap room that summer. And then again, similar to the Pistons, right? The Rockets have this, you know, young core of, you know, budding, exciting players. They just brought in Jalen Green into the fold. They've got Kevin Porter Jr. They've got Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, KJ Martin. Uh, you know, just down the line, there's a lot of talent on this roster that Rafael Stone has cultivated in a very short amount of time, in addition to the other three draft picks that they just brought in this year. I mean, if you look around the NBA, a lot of people can 
probably safely say, and we're in the tankers group, right? So tell me if I'm wrong, guys. Did the Rockets not crush this draft just one year after the James Harden debacle, right? Did pretty I'm good. gonna say I no so. because I don't want to give you I don't want to give you hope. I'm sick of you like your your propaganda. But no, I mean Jalen Green's the real deal. And like Kevin Porter Jr. was also like a really like you know how they got him like can't really be overstated because like the stuff that happened in Cleveland was like not good. Um, but he's really, really talented for a read. Like that like he's really, really, really potentially good. And I know you're a big on Sangoon. So yeah, like they did do a really good job on that. As much as like I um the Jackson propaganda train is 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 already no no the, the the Jackson propaganda train is leaving the station and that it cannot be stopped it's full throttle right now <laughs> but re- realistically right that's you know it was a very quick turnaround for the Houston Rockets organization and everything that we've heard out of you know out of Rafael Stone the general manager out of the ownership they're saying and doing not just saying the right things but doing the right things and I think that's so important when you look at what an organization is trying to accomplish right because an organization can say one thing and then you know based on the moves that they make or the decisions that they're making, you know, it's, it's telling you a different story. But right now, the story coming out of the Rockets organization that they understand that they're now at the bottom of the trash heap, that they were, you know, perennial title contenders with James Harden for, you know, the better part of the last decade. And now they're at the bottom and they have to rebuild the right way and get the right pieces in. And they're doing that. They're making the right moves. They just paid, you know, uh, help the Nets with a salary dump uh, with uh, Seko Dumbaya. And they paid basically $3.7 million to get a an unprotected second pick in 2024, right? You know, throwing that kind of money just to pick up extra assets that can either facilitate a trade down the line or, you know, bring in a potential, you know, second round draft pick, another, you know, draft and stash type player to help, you know, cultivate the future of this organization. They're doing and they're saying and doing all the right things and kind of trying to cultivate their image for their long-term future. And again, I think that 2023 offseason is kind of their timeline for success where, You'll have their young core kind of having spent some time together, getting established, really deciding, okay, which of these pieces are worth keeping, which ones are not going to be here. Like Philip Rossman Reich alluded to earlier for the Orlando Magic. A lot of that is the talent evaluation process, right? Which of these guys are actually going to be here when this team is competitive again? And you give that young core about two to three years to try and mesh together. And then a big question coming down the pipeline for the Rockets so is what happens with Christian Wood? He's on a very team-friendly deal right now. Do the Rockets decide they want to pay him, right? Is he actually... A lar- you know, a big piece of this Rockets future, or are they going to try and facilitate a trade for him while his value is, you know, sky high on a team friendly contract? Do they not want to be the team that has to pay him down the line? So a lot of questions for the Rockets, but they are headed in the right direction. And I, and I think, and I think that's something that's that's kind of interesting about all the teams that that are kind of in this discussion right now is is there's not a lot of teams that just you know like maybe the Knicks from the 2000s or, or some of those some of those teams that were just perpetually bad for for a long time there's none of those teams that just seem completely stuck. Like we all kind of see uh, a little bit of, you know, maybe, maybe not Cleveland. Cause I think Cleveland's a little bit or believes they're maybe further, a little bit further along than, than a lot of, than a lot of us here. Yeah. Um, but they might be maybe, like getting kicked in the teeth and then like they have a new head coach in like six months. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But like, I think, I think what we're seeing around the NBA now is, is a lot of these teams are a lot smarter with how they approach these kind of rebuilds. Um, They're a lot, they're a lot more, I think they're a lot better about using their cap space. They're not just trying to get, you know, rich quick. They're they're willing to put in the work and put in a little bit, bit a little bit of of the of time to kind of let these things grow. And obviously, I think what the danger is uh, on all this is, you know, not everyone's going to be successful here. You know, so figuring out when do you pull the plug, when do you kind of push all your chips in, like you know, the Magic during their first rebuild tried to push all their chips in uh, on a free agent summer and ended up with you know trading for Serge Ibaka, ended up with Bismack Biombo, DJ Augustine, and. Uh, and Jeff Green, and they, they got that that got them stuck for five years. Um, I don't think we're seeing a lot of t- rebuilding teams kind of put themselves in that position. They're maintaining flexibility for to be like the Hawks when the time comes to push their chips in and, and go for it. So, Philip, I got a question for you, real quick. Uh, sure. Earlier, earlier when you asked about some of the prospects on your team, do you think they're going to stay long term? You didn't say Marco Fultz, so I just want to know what's the what's the thoughts about Marco Fultz over in Orlando? I thought he looked pretty pretty good. For you guys before he got hurt uh, he obviously earned himself that contract he signed with you guys and he literally got hurt right after which kind of sucks but uh, what's the what's the thoughts about him I thought he looked pretty good I mean I think I think the magic still really like him uh you know I think there's there's you know I don't think he'll ever be first overall pick Markel Fultz again um so I think you're just looking for a solid rotation player um you know I've kind of told people around me if he could carve out a career like Ricky Rubio uh that would be a really strong kind of sec- second birth for him just be a great playmaker 
you know, be a, a consistent enough shooter that you have to kind of respect him, but you know, he's not the greatest shooter in the world uh, and just be someone that can get in the paint. And, and at this point, you know, again, the goal is just to get him healthy and, and the team that Markel Fultz left is not the team that he's coming back to. This team now is suddenly full of point guards. They've got Jalen Suggs. They've got Cole Anthony. RJ Hampton can probably play a little bit, a little bit of point guard. Um, they, they're, they're kind of full, uh, full of guards at this point. And, and Markel Fultz, you know, I think one of the unfortunate things for him and the injuries are always unfortunate, but the clock is kind of ticking with him. The, he, he signed a three-year extension that kicks in this year. So he's going to spend this entire season kind of recovering. Like he'll play, but he'll he'll still be recovering from the injury. Um, and then he has a team option on that third year. So that makes next year kind of a do or die contract year for him. And so, you know, I think Fultz has a lot to prove. I think he could still be a really solid player, but at the same time, you just you just don't know what guys are going to be like when they come back from from major injuries like the ACL that he had. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP, you deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now let's get Ryan McDonough's thoughts on the final two teams, the San Antonio Spurs and the Orlando Magic. Then we'll hear from one of our Odyssey experts, John Jansen from 97-1 The Ticket in Detroit to talk about how the rebuild for the Pistons is well on its way. The Spurs have leaned into their rebuild. They missed the playoffs the past two seasons after tying the longest playoff streak in NBA history under future Hall of Fame coach Greg Popovich. San Antonio got even younger this offseason. Veterans DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, and Rudy Gay all moved on, so they enter the season with one of the youngest teams they've had in decades. Pop and the front office will be evaluating their talented young core, especially the backcourt trio of Derek White, DeJounte Murray, and Lonnie Walker. The Spurs surprised some people when they took another guard Alabama guard Josh Primo in the lottery, but the 18-year-old rookie has certainly looked the part of an intriguing prospect so far. This season, we focus primarily on player evaluation. Unless the Spurs trade some of their young talent for a proven veteran star like Ben Simmons, which has been rumored, but seems unlikely. The Magic continue to acquire young talent on draft night when they added Gonzaga stud point guard Jalen Suggs, as well as versatile Michigan forward Franz Wagner. Orlando made a few aggressive forward-looking trades at last season's trade deadline when they sent Nikola Vucevic to Chicago, Aaron Gordon to Denver, and Evan Fournier to Boston. Their best prospects are all between 20 and 24 years old, uh, so they're expected to be near the bottom of the Eastern Conference, especially if injured young veterans like Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz take a while to come back from their injuries. Now, the front office and new head coach Jamal Mosley will be evaluating talent. They'll want to see how good their rookies Suggs and Wagner can be, as well as the positional fit with the players on their roster. And they'll also want to see if they have any young studs who are good enough to build around going forward, and if their pieces, like Suggs and Fultz or Wendell Carter and Mohamed Bamba, can coexist and develop simultaneously. Hey, this is John Jansen from the Stoney and Jansen program, and the Detroit Pistons entered the lottery. Ben Wallace was on site. You could see from his excitement. You've heard from Troy Weaver. Now, he may not, you may not hear the excitement in his voice, but I can guarantee you Troy Weaver is excited because the Pistons winning the lottery, drafting Cade Cunningham. It starts the process, the next step of the rebuild. You go from, you know, young players like Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, those that you're excited about that can be here for the long run when the Pistons get better. Uh, and then you start looking at Kelly Olynyk and some of the other guys, Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, that Troy Weaver has added. Those are all great components. And instead of, you may still be a lottery pick, but you're not tanking to try and get that top pick. This is an opportunity to enter that next phase because Cade Cunningham, he brings uh, a level of excitement, 
a level of anticipation. He brings that all-star status to the Detroit Pistons. And like I mentioned, it signals the next step in the rebuild process, the excitement around Detroit, how Cade Cunningham carries himself, how he talks about the city of Detroit and how excited he is to be here, how excited he is to be a part of restore the Detroit Pistons. He's a guy that can create his own shot. He's a guy that can go out there and create shots for other individuals. He is the complete package. We're so excited to have Cade Cunningham as a member of the Detroit Pistons. Troy Weaver running the ship here in Detroit. And everything that we've got going on, the, 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 the horizon is extremely bright for the Detroit Pistons. All right, who are the most interesting players to watch on your team coming up this season? Philip Rossman Reich, take it away. Uh, so the the two obvious answers are Jalen Suggs, you know, potential rookie of the year candidate, you know, all, you know, star guard at Gonzaga, a guy that everyone thought would be a top four pick, fell to the magic at number five. Uh, I think he's going to be a really, really important player. Um, the next obvious answer is Jonathan Isaac, who, like I said, you know, coming back from a torn ACL, uh, is still to me the only player that has like kind of elite skill potential on this team. But uh, I'm going to go kind of off the wall here. I, I would say keep an eye on RJ Hampton. Um, you know, he's a guy that that coming into the draft process two years ago or last year um, was viewed really well, really highly. Uh, people believe that he he had a ton of talent. He kind of struggled in the NBL, got fell in the draft, got picked by a Denver Nuggets team that just didn't have the time to develop a young player. Uh, and so he comes to a magic, you know, organization that's rebuilding that, that can give him the opportunity. And he's a guy that has a ton of versatility. He can play really all three wing positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward. Um, you know, if he can really lock in defensively, he's got the length to be a really solid defender. And I think his three point shots improved a lot. And so I think of all the magic's young players, the chance for a significant improvement lies with RJ Hampton. So I, I keep an eye on him. Um, as a potential kind of wild card for this Magic team, and especially as they kind of figure out what to do with some of their guard, some of their veteran guards on the roster. Jeff Garcia, locked on Spurs. Please tell us about the gospel that is Josh Primo. <laughs> well, if you want to watch him, um, might as well take a trip to Cedar Park, Texas, where he'll be with the Austin <laughs> Spurs. Um, as far as uh, just San Antonio Spurs players um, that will likely be wearing the uniform throughout the entire season, uh, you want to keep an eye on. I, I'm, just, I, I mean, there's really nobody I can't pick. I mean, Dejounte, Prima, Dejounte Murray, sure. You, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think I think he's already getting close to what he is. What he is going to be an NBA player. Uh, you know, what more can he develop? Uh, his outside shooting, but so far in preseason action, he hasn't really shown it. Uh, Derek White, you, you know, a guy who's often injured. The more I talk this out, guys, the more I'm getting depressed that I'm, you know, <laughs> thinking about the San Antonio team. Um, if anybody you do want to uh, take keep an eye on is Kelton Johnson. Um, you know, this guy is the closest the Spurs have to a budding uh, NBA star. Uh, you know, he's he played with Team USA. He's uh, developed so quickly in just two NBA seasons, maybe two and a half with you know with the 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 bubble season, but. Nevertheless, you know, he's definitely a guy to look at. I think the Spurs are very, um, you know, all in on KJ as being their face of the franchise of all the young core. You know, he's the guy that they're really putting out front and center in the public. Another guy to keep an eye on is Lonnie Walker. Uh, So far in preseason action, gentlemen, he has not been looking good whatsoever. Uh, I get it. It's just preseason. That's what preseason is for, to shake out the rust and get back on track. But... With the team looking to rebuild, get better, maybe get aggressive in trade talks, he could be a guy that they dangle out there for any team looking uh, to make a deal. Uh, I, I think when I look at this team, I see players. You know, the question is, you know, players to look out for. I, I'm looking out to see if they're going to be wearing a Spurs jersey if, if to finish out this season. They could get traded. I mean, that's the state of the Spurs that they're on. They are trying to get back to winning Spurs basketball, and. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I was joking around with Josh Primo. He's definitely a exciting kid to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I hope he forces the Spurs coaching staff to maybe bring him back to San Antonio, be with the varsity team, um, because this kid is showing that he might have been a draft day uh, gem. But other than that, yeah, it, it is really just so interesting in San Antonio uh, to see where they're at now. And I know the players to watch is the theme of this segment. But how about this? The coach to watch. This could be Popovich's last season. 
and who will fill those shoes uh, once he decides to uh, call it a day, if he does. But yeah, there's so many things to look out for in San Antonio from players to coaches that, uh, as I said before, times are changing in the Alamo city. Chris Manning locked on Cavs. Take us to sex land. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's talk about the land part of sex land. So, uh, Darius Garland, I think, is the guy that you go back to the end of last season, you go into this year, you go into talking to people about the team in summer league and whatnot. Like, he's the guy they're putting a lot on. He is going to be challenged, I think, with being the connective tissue with a lot of him. I think Ricky Rubio is brought in to kind of supplement what he's doing, but like, he's going to be the guy with the starting lineups and closing lineups. Um, that has to connect everyone. It has to find open guys. It has to make the offense flow at a level where it cannot be, you know, one of the worst in the league. He also is a guy that they want to see take more threes, take more pull-up threes, kind of add some of the the score first guard stuff to his bag a little bit in a way that he showed kind of coming into league, but really has had kind of an interesting couple of years where that hasn't been a strength of his. So he's the guy. I mean, he is clearly being positioned to be like maybe the most important player for the cap success this year. Um, I, I think, you know, Sexton obviously has a lot on his plate right now. And because I'm me, I would just tell everyone to watch Isaac Cora play defense. It is like incredible to watch what he can do on the defensive end of the floor um, as a, as a second year player. Like he doesn't always rack up a ton of steals or blocks or whatever, but his defense is just like outrageous for, for a 20 year old. Um, if he can shoot sky's the limit, taking him into the moon, but, it's all about Darius Garland. If Darius Garland has the kind of year some people in the Cavs think he can have, he's going to be the best player in the team at the end of the year. And if that happens, and then you hit, you and Mobley hits some way to go, then you're getting somewhere. But it's really this is the Darius Garland year, and, and he's also extension eligible a year from now. If he has a really good year this year, you can bet your butt Rich Paul is going to be like, hey, back up that Brings truck, let's go. You know, like they're staring on the barrel of that, and this is a this is a pivotal year for Darius, and he's and he and the team think he's going to have a monster year. I think. Ku, tell us about the Pistons. Uh, before before I tell you my play, I just want to say, Jeff, you're making me feel so bad for you over there, and and the, the Spurs. You're, you're making me feel so bad for the Spurs. Well, fans well, well, Koo, look where I came from. I came from dynasty to a little bit with Kawhi Leonard to this. So I mean, it's just so. I mean, look, I I, I should be used to this. As I said, I, I've covered. Well, I've been a fan of the Spurs since their Hemisphere Arena days, right in the ABA days. Yes, I'm old guys, but. Um, so seeing them in this transition is just, I mean, I mean, they have not had losing seasons, uh, uh, just a handful of times, Koo, like less than a handful <laughs> of times in their entire oh, franchise history. Don't, don't worry, Jeff. We're all here for you. We, we have, we have meetings every Wednesday. At I like, don't know. At like what is, <laughs> this we, is, we have, we I, have I, I, the donuts. I feel like I entered the multiverse or something like in this alternative <laughs> reality where the Spurs suck. And I'm not used to that. And I'm asking the watcher to send me back to the one, the timeline that I'm used to. But uh, yeah, I appreciate your uh, reaching out and kind of pat me <laughs> on the back. And I'm going to need a lot of that because Vegas has the Spurs winning 28 games. And we all know oh, Vegas God. is usually right. Uh, I just, I just, I just had to say that because Jeff sounds a lot like us Pistons fans, like years ago when we were trying to convince ourselves that Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, everyone's going to be like <laughs> superstars, whatever. But uh anyways <laughs> uh if i had to pick <laughs> if i had to pick one player for the pistons for you guys to watch i mean i think the obvious guy is Kate cunningham obviously but i think that's kind of boring to say Cade, uh, because everyone knows Cade's the the show here and what everyone's gonna draw into so if you had to pick someone outside okay i'll say uh i would say watch killian hayes i think killian hayes is the guy that really can i, I think killian's the guy that can really make or break what the pistons are trying to do here if Killian really explodes and takes the step that people think that he can take, then we're talking about a different Pistons outcome in the future, and they're looking at the future completely different. If Killian does not take that step and he doesn't improve on the things that they want him to improve on, he just like flatlines this year again because uh, he did have a rough rookie year. He had that hip injury, only ended up playing 26 games, so it didn't really. And also, he had no training camp really, and no really preseason, and it was just really tough with the pandemic and everything along with this injury. Uh, so it was tough. So this is basically really his rookie year. So if he comes out and plays really well and shows what people think he can do, the Pistons now have a young core they completely believe in in their backcourt with Killian and Cade that they think could really take them to the next level along with Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant. Uh, obviously, a lot of people like Sadiq Bey. He made the all-rookie first team, uh, first team, and then Isaiah Stewart made the second team. So those there's multiple guys in the Pistons to watch if you want. 
But I think the key guy for the Pistons outside of Cade is Killian. I think kind of what Chris uh, was explaining with the with his Cavs team that you know obviously Cade's the guy. So if you want to watch Cade, that's obviously number one on the list. But I really do believe if you just take Cade off the off the table, this is the Killian season. This is this is they need to see something from Killian. They want to see something from Killian. And word from the team is that he's been turning heads in the training camp. Uh, he looked pretty good yesterday in the open scrimmage as well. Uh, so it's it, it really is the Killian Hayes season. Outside of Cade, obviously, it's the Killian Hayes season. They need to see if he's going to be the guy next to Cade. And is he really going to be this, this budding star that people thought he could be when they drafted him? For the Houston Rockets, how can I not say uh, the you know how can I not go Jalen Green right you know the 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 pick amongst the NBA GM survey of who's going to win the Rookie of the Year? Sorry, Cade, um, but I, I do think it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a one two race between Jalen and, and Cade for the entire season, and it's gonna be exciting to see who who actually walks away with the award. But there's so much buzz and excitement around him already. He's electric. Watching him play the game, he's so fluid offensively and similar to, to Ku though I do feel like it's a bit of a cop-out to, to just go with Jalen Green but really when you look top to bottom at this Rockets roster there's so many different interesting storylines and players to look at you've got Kevin Porter Jr. coming by way of Cleveland saying that the Rockets organization quote-unquote saved his life right like you know that's a powerful quote might be a bit of a hyperbole but at the same time you can tell how grateful he is for this opportunity with this organization and he is you know, absolutely embraced his newfound role as the point guard of the future for this team, being handed the keys to the offense, comes out in his first preseason games, drops 25 and 5. Um, you know, he shows the ability to be a scoring machine as well as facilitating for his teammates. Watching Christian Wood, has he actually reached his actual ceiling? You know, does he have another gear that he can tap into and maybe justify being paid a max level contract further down the line? And then the crop of rookies that are being brought in this season, Alperin Shingun, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, all guys who have impressed through Summer League, through some of these preseason games, who have a lot of budding talent there. And if I had to, if I had to narrow it down to one guy, though, even past the excitement of Jalen Green, I would beg people to take a look at Alperin Shingun. The way that he plays is reminiscent and maybe maybe Jeff will uh you know respect this uh comparison here but it reminds me of a Boris Boris Diaw a little bit um the way that he's kind of a you know slightly undersized five um you know can facilitate out of the high post an elite passer already you can see the playmaking chops on display so I really would say like he's the guy that if you're tuning in to watch the Rockets pay attention to Alperin Shingun what he does both offensively defensively he's got that kind of old school like almost like back to the basket, big mentality where he can back you down. He's got an array of post moves and he has dazzled every time he has hit the floor in a Rockets jersey. You're, you're, you're killing me here, man, because because Alpern was on the board for San Antonio. So Primo better freaking pan out. And not only that, but, you know, the the, the poor Oklahoma City Thunder who didn't get the Rockets conveyed pick to them uh, also then wound up trading the number 16 pick, which became Alperin Shingun to the Houston Rockets because Sam Presti is just so preoccupied with first round draft picks. Um, you know, at, at, at some point, you got to start actually using those draft picks to draft players. You can't just keep stashing them. Right, guys? I mean, I don't know. Um, team of all draft picks. That uh, that that's a championship team right there. You know that that what the thing behind door number one could be anything. It could be, even be a, a an all star player. You know how much we've been wanting one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna just give my uh, of the other teams of the non Cavs teams the guy that I'm generally like most excited just to kind of see what happens. Um, I, I think it 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 might be Jalen Suggs because he. Was when I saw him in summer league, way bigger than I realized, like way bigger than I realized. He's like kind of jacked, and that's kind of cool. Um, I'm a sucker for like dudes who like look like they have lifted because like it's a hack. Like just like Lori Marketing. Do, do you lift, bro? I swear to God, like Lori Marketing has like incredible upper body strength. Cannot back down a guard because I don't think he's ever squatted in his life. Drives me crazy after like two games. But like I just feel like he's gonna be given the keys. Like it feels like he's accelerating past Cole Anthony. Marco Fultz is out this year. Jonathan Isaac, there's a lot going on there that we don't need to talk about. Like, there's just, like, a lot there, and they have a new head coach. And it's just, like, that's really fun. Um, and it also from – there's people in Cleveland in, like, the, the sports talk radio world that are like, hey, they, sh- they they think the Cavs should have taken Suggs over Mobley. I don't subscribe to that. But 
that's going to be a thing. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Suggs believer, even if I still would have taken Mobley, but like, I just want to see what, what he gets the keys year one. I just want to know what that looks like. And that's just really, really fun. Like, cause even Jalen green, like has, has Christian Wood to lean on. He has Sangoon. He has KPJ. Like there are adults and other good players there. It's kind of like, like Phil, what is Suggs? Who is Suggs like passing to? There, there, there's like no one else who can score on this team. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair question. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that I think the Magic are, are going to have to experiment with is is putting – they're going to experiment with Suggs on and off the ball. They're going to play him with Fultz. I think they'll play him with Cole. They'll play him with a whole bunch of different guard combinations. He's going to play – I mean, he's, he's starting – I think I think he will be the starting point guard on opening night because, you know, Markel Fultz won't be ready to play. Um, I think they'll go a little bit bigger when they when they head to San Antonio and, 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 and uh, to start the season. Um, but I, I think I think you're right. They're going to give Suggs the key, and, and and I really think, you know, the thing that's really impressed me about Suggs, and, and this is a really good rookie class. I mean, like I, I mean, I agree with you. I I I, I had Mobley evaluated better. Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham are both really good. I mean, being on the All Rookie Team this year, I, probably the five guys on the All Rookie Team this year, they're, they're probably going to have seasons that are Rookie of the Year caliber in any other season. Um, so this is a really good rookie class. Um, but. You know, the thing that's really impressed me about Suggs in the early going is he's a much better passer than I think people gave him credit for. Um, you know, yeah, like most young guys, he probably gets a little excited and tries to force things too much, but he makes some really smart passes. And honestly, I think, and this is honest, I think this is a good thing at this point. I think the one thing that he, and I'm sure all the other rookies are going to have to figure out is when do I go get mine? When do I get others involved? And, and I think that, I think that that is, that is, you know, again, one of the things that these, that these teams allow these young players to have is to experiment and figure this stuff out for when it's time to actually compete and, and, and know that balance to win games. For daily coverage on all six of these teams and more, check out the Locked On NBA Podcast Network wherever you're listening to this podcast or on YouTube. Now let's send it off to our Locked On Fantasy Basketball host, Josh Lloyd. Hi guys, it's Josh Lloyd here from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's look at the San Antonio Spurs. I think DeJounte Murray and Derek White are going to take big steps forward this season. I think Jakob Pertl also takes a big step. And all of these guys can be had at somewhat discounted prices in fantasy drafts. I think a lot of people are putting a ton of stock in Keldon Johnson for fantasy. And I'm not really there with him. He just lacks so much in terms of shooting numbers, steal numbers, block numbers, and assist numbers. He can be a last-round pick, but he's getting picked in like round nine in a lot of cases, and that's probably a little bit too early. For the Rockets, I'm big on Kevin Porter now with no John Wall there. Just be aware, he is going to hurt your percentages, and he lacks defensive numbers, but he's going to get good scoring and good assists. Well, Jalen Green, rookies tend to get overvalued anyway, so he's getting probably a little bit too high, but in the 90 to 100 zone for his scoring is fine. Christian Wood probably profiles as their best fantasy guy. He's a third to fourth round sort of player. And then late, I think taking a look at someone like a Jay Sean Tate or even an Alperen Sengun, just seeing what they do with him. If they can give him 20 minutes off the bat, that should push to 25, 26 later in the year. And then there's tremendous value in Sengun. For Detroit, Cade is probably like a seventh-round guy. He generally gets overdrafted, but I am expecting big things. And I do like taking Killian Hayes with a late pick just to see where he can, what he can do. Sadiq Bey is rock solid, but upside is low. And I think Jeremy Grant is probably getting a little bit overvalued because he is going to lose some of that usage from last season over to Cade for this coming year. I love Isaiah Stewart. He can push into the top 15. I think Kelly Linux is probably a top 100 guy as well. For Cleveland, Sexton's just absolutely rock solid. Hard to see him push into the top 50, though. I like Darius Garland a lot. I think he's got top 50, even top 40 upside this season. I think Mobley and Jared Allen are both getting drafted a little bit too high. I think there is just that mix there with them and Markinen and Love and then Dean Wade as well. It's probably going to just cap the upside of those players. Well, Isaac Okora is going to get plenty of minutes, but like last season, I'm not sure he's actually going to do anything with those minutes from a fantasy perspective. So he's hard to trust too much. For the Thunder, there's a lot of value on this team. Shea in the third round, fine. People are really scared of injuries for him, and I understand the Thunder will be cautious, but third round, no problem. I really like Josh Giddy around the 100 to 110 zone in drafts. I think he's going to play 30 minutes, get good assists, good rebounds, and be really solid. I like taking a flyer on Alexei Pokyashevsky in the last round. I like taking a flyer on Isaiah Roby in the last round as well. Um, I guess you could say yeah, Darius Baisley. I'm less keen on looking at him. Derek Favors, if they decide to start Favors, he could provide short-term value like Al Horford did at the start of last season. And then lastly, we look at the magic. Jalen Suggs has a chance to be the second-best fantasy rookie this year behind Cade Cunningham. I think he starts from opening night. Um, John Isaac, your top 40 guy, but when's he going to play? How much is he going to play? 
that pushes him probably to 100, but there could be a real steal involved in getting him there. Um, the Carter and Bamba situation is interesting. If they're splitting minutes evenly, Mo Bamba is the better fantasy guy, so I do like him as a later pick there. And then you've got the mess of Cole Anthony, a returning Markel Fultz, a Terrence Ross, a Gary Harris, Chumura Kiki. They're all guys who are not particularly interesting. I'd happily look at Cole Anthony, Fultz, and Chuma in those last rounds. Um, but there's just a lot that can sort of go sideways with the magic from a fantasy perspective this season. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our ultimate NBA preview podcast series, deep diving on the debatables teams, teams with big questions hanging over their franchises heading into the season. The Dallas Mavericks, Los Angeles Clippers, Portland Trailblazers, Philadelphia 76ers, Golden State Warriors, and Denver Nuggets. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.